Support for the Forward's Bental Brief podcast comes from listeners like you and from Edward Blank, whose generosity makes this program possible. I'm Gina Green, and I spend my days talking strategy and my nights talking Minecraft. <laughs> I'm Lynn, and I am in my laundry room. <laughs> Lynn spends her nights and days doing laundry. (laughs) Yes, it's also where we've chosen to hang the framed copy of our wedding invitation. (laughs) That's perfect. That's like the most Jewish thing ever, right? Like we frame our marriage documents and contracts, our invitations. Mm -hmm. And then we put them in the laundry room. We spend a lot of time here. (laughs) We put them in the laundry room. And at a mental brief, we've spent the last 115 years answering questions about marriage and laundry and relationships and people and husbands and wives and labor relations, labor relations, all kinds of relations. So we've been (laughs) answering these questions for a long time at Eventual Brief, and we are really delighted to dig in with Hannah Pollock. The Forward's resident archivist is going to join us a little bit later. Welcome to Eventual Brief, the Jewish Advice Podcast. For today's question. Dear Bentel, a single friend of mine is on a Jewish dating site. He matched with my cousin's wife. If they lived in San Francisco and had an open relationship, like some of my friends there do, that would be one thing. But this definitely feels off. I'm very close to my cousin. Do I tell him his wife is on a Jewish dating site? Or do I assume he knows? Or does it not matter? And regardless, do I keep my mouth shut? And though my cousin, his wife, and my friend are all vaccinated, should COVID play any role in my decision-making? Signed, A Family Affair. There are a few layers in this letter, right? There is the the super macro layer of COVID, (laughs) which we've... uh, And then there is the, this is public for the world to see. And then there's the actual affair itself, whether it's public or private, Mm -hmm. and what is at play for that marital relationship. We actually don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe they do have an open relationship. Sure. And they just have to keep it a secret from everyone. But it's like, if that's what you're doing, you can't have a picture of your face on change eight. like there's <laughs> like there's so many questions that i have we don't know you know we don't know what's actually going on what we do know is that um her face is on jade or whatever whatever it is. sorry jade we don't know <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's public is what opens the opportunity for a family affair to have a conversation right she didn't go sneak and read someone's journal she didn't overhear a conversation that she shouldn't have. She doesn't have just a theory because of like lipstick on a collar somewhere. Like the, it's public information. It's literally public information. She has it. Right. The other person might not. You know, when we talk about the letter writer's business and is this the letter writer's business? Like who is she to bring this to her cousin? She acquired the information honestly, or, you know, like you said, didn't overhear anything, wasn't snooping. Because she's close to her cousin, because there's a relationship that they have, because she, like you said, sort of came of this information freely um, and without any, you know, shenanigans, (laughs) no pun intended. 
I think she's got to say something. She's got to at least ask a question. But I think that there's a strategic sort of fork in the road. If we agree that she needs to talk to someone, does she go to the cousin first or to the cousin's wife first? Ooh. And by the way, once again, we're sealing our identity as the Go Talk to Them podcast. <laughs> the Go Talk to Them podcast. Yes. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a great question. You know, this question sounds high tech because, you know, internet and kink or whatever. But there are so many, as always, so many just timeless, eternal, primal themes going on in in all of our letters, you know, no, no matter how much technology is involved. But thinking about this particular letter, I mean, Family Affair is weighing her relationship with her cousin. How important is that to her? How important is her cousin's well-being and safety important to her? Is it so important that she would be willing to... Um, risk speaking ill of someone else? Is it so important that she would blow someone else's cover? Who's protecting whom? What's worth protecting? I mean, just a lot to think about when emotions and relationships and people we love in different ways are at play. And it's clear from a family affairs letter that she genuinely has her cousin's interests at heart. Right. But what's also true is that as with all of the relationships that we hold that have multiple touch points and connections with other people, that even if she has this care and this uh, loyalty and this love for her cousin, she is not privy to his entire life. Nor and so, Nor should she be, right? There's a reason why we have secrets. It also makes me think of secrecy and honesty. You know, because I think we have these ideas that, like, secrets are bad, that they're corrosive in a family, especially if someone is sitting on a secret. And I think, you know, you mentioned secrecy and honesty, and related to that mm -hmm. is privacy, which is somewhere in between related, overlaid, or underneath the concepts of, mm -hmm. uh, of secrecy and honesty, right? So what are we entitled to? within the realm of privacy. What does it mean to have a private life? And when does it become okay for someone to take that information and share it with others, even if even if it's semi-private or semi-public, right? And it might not be clear that it was fully private or fully public, right? Even when there's that gray area, like in this case, Family Affair found this on the internet just as easily as Joe Schmo could find it on the internet, could have found the profile, could have matched, could have had another friend who matched with their cousin-in-law, right? Wrestling with this question means wrestling with not just monogamy and sex and infidelity, because we actually don't know if any of those things are truly at play here. We actually don't know if this is an experience that the couple is going through together, if this is something that's just a digital um, flirtation, if the cousin's wife ever acts on any of the matches or the dates or the possibilities. We don't know exactly what's happening, but we do know that the letter writer feels a sense of obligation and feels as if it is important enough to ask the question 
to a mental brief. Yeah. To me, at the end of the day, it's not about what's actually happening. Like, to me, that's actually kind of separate. We don't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is not good optics for you if your wife has a public-facing singles profile. You could say that it could be more, that it might be more about her concern about what people will think. Mm. That it's like embarrassing. I think there's like that gross word, like cuckold. Yeah. It's like he's being cuckolded, you know? Um, yeah. Which is a reference even older than um, our letter, <laughs> our letter from the archives. It's, it's Shakespearean. It's, you know, Shakespearean. Yeah. You know, maybe we should live in a world where like everyone should just assume the best of every relationship and, and every style of relationship, but we don't live in that world right now. Right. The protection that you mentioned, Lynn, is for the letter writer. I think she's holding a sense of protection for her cousin that's both reputational, like you're talking about the optics. It doesn't look good, right? The cuckoldry of it all, right? Like it's not a good look because we're not there yet as a society, right? But there's also a protection of emotion that I think I'm seeing from her that she feels like this information, this activity that is suggested by this profile would be hurtful to her cousin. And so both of those are at play. She's trying to protect his reputation, perhaps, and but also maybe hers by extension. This is her family, her cousin, yeah. and they're a little bit there. So I think there's a lot of a sense of protection and and of wanting to maintain what has already been, which is actually... A really great segue to Hannah Pollock joining us, the resident archivist from the forward who has been digging through the archives, looking for questions that relate to the one we got from A Family Affair. And she's still looking for questions about online dating from 1906. So she'll be here. <laughs> we have to uh, kill some time here while she... <laughs> so we got nothing. We got nothing on online dating, but we know people have been mm-hmm. having affairs forever, mm-hmm. right? And so, I wonder what Hannah's gonna say about this letter and what she's gonna bring back from the archives uh, when we come back from this break. Pray for us, a podcast about practicing ancient religions in the modern day, is back for its fourth season. It's hosted by two novice Jews from opposite coasts, Jessica Dalin and JC Nacarella, who are on a journey to discover how people fit faith into their lives in the 21st century. The show features interviews with writers, comedians, pastors, drag queens, and a chef who made an avocado toast so beautiful that Britney Spears reposted his reel to her grid. Yes. I love any show that gracefully and thoughtfully combines drag queens, avocado toast, Britney, and juice. So obviously, this is a must listen. New and old episodes of Pray For Us are available wherever you get your pods. Okay, so we know we have a super modern question that is also timeless. And when things get timeless, we turn to the Forwards archivist, Hannah Pollock, who we love. And she is here to help us sort this all through and reflect on the past and into the future and all the cool stuff she does, often in Yiddish. Let's talk to Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Yeah. Hi, Lynn and Gina. Nice to be here. Really glad that you were here. Could not imagine a more timeless question than... Infidelity, potential infidelity, family affair, 
And this time, it was, it was kind of the first time I noticed this. In 1906, they actually cited this person's letter. And so the binta was kind of like a soapbox for them. Mm. And also, I should say, from the get-go, this is a letter that seems to me to be from a person who was that party who went outside their relationship and had some sort of affair. Got it. Okay. And they're actually writing through the forward to their person to uh, apologize but but a little bit, they've got some issues still. So when the forward cites the letter, there's this great line where they say, we're presenting Reden von der Geschichte mit der dritten Person. We're, we're going we're gonna to present now some discussion from somebody, a story with a third person. So that's kind of how they're letting people know this is about an affair. This is the forward citing. She writes... It's your fault. You pushed me into the fire. You're no fool. You've got eyes. You were silent and feigned ignorance. And I thought, all right, he wants to be rid of me. And now I see it's been nothing more than a dreadful nightmare. And as L has let me know, you miss me. I wept like a child. Believe me, my soulmate. Here she says the Yiddish word, basherta. Aside from you, I've truly not loved anyone else. Let's forget about it all. Our children are not to blame either. Whomever told you that it's it, uh, about the affair is nothing but a hater. I've written to you at various addresses and you've not responded. Perhaps you haven't received my letters. So that's the citation from 1906. Mm. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Hannah, I want to go back to the sentence where she says, whoever told you is nothing but a hater. Whoever told you is nothing but a hater, of course, ties directly to our letter in the sense of our questioner wondering what her responsibility is here. Does she get involved? Does she mish in as 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 the Yiddish might be? Does, should she in the first place? Would she turn into the hater? You know, how I got to using hater is because Right, if you know Hebrew, soine. She used a really strong, it, it, she didn't say a has. Has is hatred in Yiddish, you know, regular everyday terminology. A soine is like an enemy of enemies. It's like they, when, you, when a Yiddish speaker turns to like Hebrew, they're generally do, drawing a more biblical connotation, let's say. So a soine is like saying, you know, a real true enemy is my, is my arch enemy, is my forever enemy, right? So that made me think a little bit when I was discussing this at home, my, my spouse threw down that they thought it was appropriate to go to the person you see on the dating website, not as appropriate to go to tell mm-hmm. the partner mm-hmm. who doesn't know. Because then you're going, it's the difference between going to someone's face versus behind someone's back. In this line where she says, whoever did that, whoever is the person who snitched, who told you, mm-hmm. is my arch enemy, proves proves that yep. kind of to be true, maybe. Enemy's gonna enemy. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. It has been great to have you as always. We will see you on a future eventual brief. Yeah, sure, Gina. Nice talking with you. I think the reason why I wanted to go to the to the wife first, the reason why I'm thinking about going there first, is because she's the one who knows. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. If she goes to the cousin, we don't know if the cousin knows or not. Right. Right. The cousin might know if this is, you know, their kink or if something they've agreed upon or if it's something that 
they're both into. We don't know that, but we know the wife knows. Maybe, but she's not entitled. I don't think a family affair is entitled to any other information. Like, she's not a detective she's not a detective, in this case. but she makes it clear in the letter that she's very close to her cousin. And there's no need to go to your go to her cousin with information that's going to be problematic, that may not be true, that needs to get sorted out, if she can get the facts from the wife and then find out whether or not she takes it to the cousin. Oh, I see. So you're not saying that it's an either or, like, like if she goes to the wife, then she can't, right, like, she exactly. has to choose one. Exactly. You're not saying it's the lady or the tiger. Uh huh. I just feel like that's a way to get, you know, ducks in a row, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there actually is a little detectiving. I understand. She just might not get any information because... It's not owed to her. It's not owed to her. The cousin's wife can say, thank you for sharing. And that... And that would be entirely appropriate. All of that would be data for a family affair to decide, because ultimately her fundamental question is, do I tell him that his wife is on a site? I wouldn't want to open up that can of worms if I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And so going to the wife first gives me that chance to decide whether or not to do that. You know, one thing we haven't talked about... In this, we've talked about the public sphere. We've talked a little bit about some finger wagging and some reputation stuff and some Jewish geography and who knows what about my kink, right? What about Lashon Hara in this situation? Yeah, because that's the other fork. That's why there's a fork in the road at all. That's why she's even asking. She's asking, do you know, is this, is inserting myself in this, is that right? There's the idea that that, that kind of that gossip that, that Lashon Hara is as bad as murder. So even though it kind of felt to us right away, like, yeah, within some constraints, she should probably say something. You can understand why she's asking because she's asking, do I say something or do I commit murder? You know, like it's it's that like the stakes are high if you if you frame it that way. And the reason why it's considered as bad as murder, this, you know, real gossip, like basically saying something about someone that may or may not be true and the truth is also not a defense, that that is akin to murder because you could ruin someone's life. This whole conversation, all of these conversations, just make me feel so much in my gut, you know, how much people need to be and want in a very sincere way to be seen, be heard, be understood. You know, even if I can't say anything to the people in my family, at least you people at a Bintel Brief can hear me. Like, I just, I gotta, I just gotta figure this out. And the sort of announcement <laughs> that, um, the, that Hannah just shared, same thing. Like, I just, got, I just gotta get this off my chest. Mm. And I would say that in addition to needing to get things off of our chest, it underscores how much love and emotion and sex and all of these things are important to us. That people are, you know, a hundred years ago saying, hey, you left me, come back. I want you back and and posting that, that we are going online, that we're posting ads. That's really key here, too, Mm -hmm. at the core of both the announcement from the archives, as well as this sort of megaphone operation that a family affair is taking advantage of by writing into us, it's because these issues are timeless and it's because they are so important and it's because who we love and how we love them still matters. At the end of the day, we are not made of wood. We are not. And sometimes what's socially acceptable has to change. For example, we should be made more of wood. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just, that's the next step towards cyborg. Oh yeah, dude. That's like 1906 (laughs) cyborg, but anyway. She has feelings for her cousin, loves him, 
wants him to be happy, wants him to, you know, she's asking all of these questions out of love, I think, and affection for her cousin. And part of what we do as humans is sort of make these kinds of trade-offs and and almost like mental transactions all the days of our lives Mm -hmm. around what we expect from others, what we can give them, how important is someone else's health and safety and well-being and love and Mm -hmm. all of these things. I mean, it's just a lot because she's asking us about seeing her cousin's wife on a Jewish dating site, but like it's way bigger than that. At the end of the day, the at the bottom of this question is, what do we owe people? Mm-hmm. And do we owe different people different things? And what do they owe us? And how do we navigate what's owed, what isn't, what's expected, what isn't, and, and what we need from others to basically, like, live in civil society? <laughs> That's Right? Like, I mean, right. I think that that right. really is what is at the crux of this. We're answering your questions and queries and requests for advice every week on Eventual Brief, the Jewish Advice Podcast. So please send them to us. We can't answer any question that we don't get. Write us, call us, give us all the details, and we can edit so you don't have to. Send your questions to bentel at forward.com. That's B-I-N-T-E-L at forward.com. Or even better, call us. Your voice could end up on the podcast. 201 501-9728. I'm Jody Rudoran, Editor-in-Chief of The Forward. If you want to keep up with what American Jews are talking about and understand the complexities of our diverse communities, you need to get The Forward's free daily newsletter. Sign up today by going to forward.com slash newsletters. This podcast is a product of The Forward. As you just heard, our Editor-in-Chief is Jody Rudoran, and our CEO and publisher is Rachel Fishman Federson. This show is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our producer is Ira Simonson, and our production assistant is Carmen Borca Carrillo. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. 